Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about how unrealistic expectations for finding everlasting love on a beach full of reality show contestants just ultimately sets you up for a devastating sense of failure and self-doubt. That's paradise, baby. This very uplifting show. (laughs) Every season, each person on the beach arrives more convinced that this is their chance, probably, possibly their last chance ever to get married. And shockingly... This seems to end in disappointment for a lot of them. Yeah, most of the time it works none of the time. Paradise (laughs) is almost over, and I'm just so incredibly thrilled to be back in time to recap some classic Bachelor in Paradise meltdowns, beach and chaos moments. My baby is an adult now. He's four months. He's on his own. I said my goodbyes. I put him out of the house, and I'm able to return to the workforce. So this is very exciting. I assume he's a working man now. Oh, yeah. He's very self-sufficient. You just have to give kids the opportunity to support themselves, you know? Hashtag hustle. (laughs) And as a reminder for anyone who missed our Golden Bachelor finale episode on Friday, go back and give that a listen. We had such a great conversation with Lisa Belkin. Today, we are joined by a new friend of the pod, Rory Uphold, host of the love and dating podcast, Crimes of the Heart. And she's here to recap an episode, frankly, absolutely filled with crimes of the heart. Rory, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I loved what you said in the intro about all the expectations for marriage. I, I That is one of the things that makes me laugh the hardest, that everybody's like, this is my last chance. Where are they getting this idea? Most people who go on Paradise do not end up married to each other. They're all so sure that it's definitely going to work. I feel like this has gotten worse. Yeah. This this did not used to be the case in the early seasons of Paradise. And now every single person is like, it yeah. has been 
11 days and I am not hopelessly in love. I'm really disappointed in myself. Yeah, it's I guess so I'm a weird. bad person. Yeah, it's wild. It's also like, I, I, I know we're not supposed to say it, but y'all know you could date outside of the Bachelor franchise, right? Yeah. Don't even say that, Rory. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I feel like you they've date, been... date off of television? I know. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> These people are victims of the show's semi-success. There have just been enough people who have gotten married off the show that everyone thinks it's guaranteed for them personally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I that's guess. that's not the case. I know. <laughs> between like, that and Tanner. the age. Yeah, between that mm. and the ageism stuff, I'm just like, this is a real, it's a real yeah. like uh, setup for failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, should we dive right into the action? We should. Let's we enter it. in medias res. For those who have forgotten, I had forgotten, we were just confronting, as last episode ended, the possibility that Sparkle Baby Jess and burly, wildlife-loving bachelor veteran Blake Moynes might not be getting married in a ceremony officiated by Jesse Palmer at the end of this season. I, for one, am shaken (laughs) to my core. These two just seemed like they were going the distance. I saw wedding bells. They're so aligned. Yeah, they seem so similar. They seem so mutually into each other. It's really a shock. Yeah. So it was like the most boring relationship (laughs) on the planet. I feel like people think of that now as a sign of success, or at least other people on the beach. They're like, well, they got together day one, and... It hasn't been that dramatic, so they're probably going to be together. And that's, like, their only metric for whether a relationship is going to... It's been, like, 11 days, you guys. Everyone else on the beach is significantly more invested in this relationship than either Blake or Jess. A hundred. Yes. Yeah. They're all desperate for them to stay together. This is a hot take, okay? I'm going to ponder this or like let you guys see what you think. <laughs> Great. Please. We love that. I feel like because sometimes when it's so easy and there's nobody like you don't have to fight for it as opposed to say like on The Bachelor or Bachelorette that uh, there's not as much like investment. Mm. So like part of the thing with I wonder with like Jess and Blake if there had been more competition or even like more um, competition within just Bachelor in Paradise if they actually would have lasted. There is that psychological um, uh, phenomenon where you overvalue things that you had to sacrifice more to get, right? So that definitely makes a lot of sense. And also, I feel like sometimes that's artificial and it fades away. So maybe they would never have been destined anyway, but they have been allowed to kind of just coast in this yeah. way. That it's not that they're so into each other. It's just that they're like, this is fine. We're both hot yeah. people. Yeah. We're just yeah. Gonna- Jess, Jess is, I've said this the whole season, but Jess just reads so young. Her conceptions of love feel very young and naive to me. And there is just a desperation she has to feel that security of being in love, to be in the relationship. And she's just sort of been frustrated that that's not happening. Well, it's limerence. And not, it's not specifically mm. Right. Yeah. But she's convinced herself that like any, if she doesn't get there with someone in this exact setting, in this exact amount of time, it's tantamount to a personal failure, a character flaw. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she's kind of had one foot out with Blake the whole yeah. time. But then she was like, oh, there's no other good option." She's 24. 
if she wants to have a relationship where she feels head over heels, then she should go out and seek that relationship. But she's just kind of spinning her wheels because she doesn't want to break up with Blake. And she likes having him, honestly, there attracted to to her, to compliment Mm -hmm. her. She doesn't want to give that up. And so she's not seeking that. And that's the real issue. So, Which is very relatable because let me tell you, I would feel the same way. (laughs) Yes. I mean, he's not like, it's not like she's not into him at all. Like to have a hot guy that you're like attracted to. No, it sounds fun. As, as, as committed to her as he is must be really uh, fun and intoxicating. So Blake's had enough of this. He's like, I just saw my ex and realized that what I have with Jess is not as powerful as what I had with Katie Thurston, um, which is interesting, actually, because I think at the time, a lot of us felt like that relationship didn't seem very real because the way her season ended was so chaotic and it seemed like she was kind of just grabbing at scraps. And we were like, why would Blake agree to this engagement? But the way that they talked about it on Paradise, it seems like it was really real for both of them. And he's like, Jess and I aren't there. So he sat her down during the cocktail party. And he's like, Katie coming in brought up weird ex feelings of what can happen here. And he says he had a real taste of what love is here. And he feels like they're not getting there. And I think we have a clip of how he tries to let Jess down easy. I had way, way, way less time with her, but we were able to accomplish so much more. And I've had so much more time with you and I feel like we're just like kind of going in circles and it is you know close to the end and I like you a lot but like in a sense I just feel like I'm here now like playing paradise in a way and like I don't want that for you I don't want that for me we've had such a great start and then it just started to like fester and circle and I just feel like everything's pointing to as much as we want this to work that it's not going to. I think he's right. And frankly, to Jess's credit, she doesn't try to say that she has greater feeling towards him than she does. Like, she basically says, I agree. First, she does say, I thought at this point I would be hopelessly in love. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) This breakup is so, like, sweet and funny to me because I think they're both trying so hard to be really considerate of each other's feelings, but they also are saying things that just seem carelessly like absolute daggers to the heart. Like, when he's like... I barely had any time with Katie and we got so much further. Like, we're nowhere near that. And then Jess is like, yeah, I thought I would be hopelessly in love at this point, but just like, whatever. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) ouch, you guys. I I think it's not phasing either of them, though, because both of them have reached the point where they're like, this is just, this probably needs to end. Yeah. I thought it was such an evolved conversation. I mean, in in a setting where you have people that can barely communicate their feelings. Like, I feel like I watch people dance around rather than just communicate like, oh yeah, I'm into you. It's like, there's so many people like have a hard time telegraphing like what's going on. So in that sense, I was like, oh, this felt like weirdly evolved. Also his little Canadian accent just, I know. every time he hits a vowel sound, I'm just like, yes, yes, Canada. He's one of those rare men on this show who I like more every time he comes on a season, which is the opposite of how that usually does and probably how it should work. But I liked him more after this season. I also thought that that Jess showed a surprising amount of self-knowledge given how she has behaved and some of the things she is very naive about. She says, 
I just, you know, I basically just keep going with things because I don't know how to end things that I've begun. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what you're doing. And you know that. And so it's almost surprising to hear that level of perspective from her because she has seemed sort of oblivious to what she was doing in the relationship. But maybe that's like, I mean, she's so young. She's beginning to kind of she's, process She's these so things. young. And it's, it's these exact experiences that I think help us develop patterns and greater maturity heading into relationships as we get older. So like, if anything, this relationship is going to clarify her own behaviors to her and make her a better partner in the future. And there's value in that. I wish I had fucking realized that at 24. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know. I'm like, some of us didn't start having revelations until later. (laughs) Yeah, man. I I, I know. I was like, all right, cool. Well, the future's looking a little brighter for you. I really, I, I too, I've, I'm married now. I never figured out how to dump someone that I started dating. I just always got dumped. So By the way, I'm like, hilarious setup to, to <laughs> I really <laughs> thought this could, I was like, whoa, are we about to really drop a bomb? <laughs> no, uh, but it's true that if I had wanted to break up with him, my husband, when we were dating, I just wouldn't have wanted to because I didn't know how. It's like, I started this, now it continues. So it's a good thing it worked out. She, I felt, I feel like Jess like knew it was not going to work, but she just didn't want to hurt his feelings. She didn't know how to start it. And even when he previously brought it up, she sort of argued him back because it felt so bad to feel that breakup impending. And this time she's ready to be like, yeah, I wasn't ready to do it myself, but I can admit that I probably wanted this to happen on some level. And they both just look sad, but resigned. Jess says she has no hard feelings. Blake tells her that she brought him back from years of numbness and says he cares about her a lot. And she reassures him that he didn't do anything wrong. Meanwhile, Rachel and Olivia are watching them like hug and cry, being like, she's crying. Yeah, she's crying. I see it. I think they broke up. (laughs) The speech is too small. (laughs) They're all just spying on each other all the time. Yeah. Stressful. Poor Jess, though, takes away from this breakup that she must be a bad person because he was all in at the beginning and she wasn't. She says she wanted to ask him to stay but he just couldn't. And I just wanted to give her a hug and say, Jess, you're actually a good person because you didn't lie to him and try to convince him to stay. Like, it's actually a great mark of your character that you could be mature enough to let him go. Yeah, this is where it seems like she is not taking the right lesson away, which (laughs) she feels like maybe if she were a really good person, she would have made sure that they stayed in the relationship so that he could feel good. And no, Jess... (laughs) I also thought it was weird that they're talking about like, oh, it shouldn't be this hard. And I was like, isn't that literally the point of this show? Like they like purposely make it hard. (laughs) Yeah. Like his ex just came back that he was engaged to that he hasn't talked to. Like that's the show. Like actually, I think I think it is supposed to be hard. Yeah, I think that they always have, like, that one couple that they can look at, like Kylie and Avon, and be like, why am I not Kylie and Avon? And, you know, there just simply wouldn't be a show if they let everyone be Kylie and Avon, just, like, drifting along without any conflict. (laughs) They've got to throw some stuff in there to mix things up. Um, That's next episode. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The the end is coming for Kylie and Avon in terms of their peaceful journey. Mm Mm-hmm. Blake says his goodbyes. He walks up to the SUV. And at this point, Kylie runs after him. 
And now I'm confused. I I didn't even know they were friends. I didn't either. Honestly. There was no setup to this. <laughs> it was, I, I got confused. I was like, wait a second. Are we about to? I was like, is this about to be the scandalous move where he's, she's like, I need you to stay. And he's like, really? And you could see him smiling. And I was like, I can't tell if this is like friends inside joking or yeah. if there's like a spark here. It's very ambiguous. In my notes, I describe this as a very tonally confusing conversation. <laughs> because, Iconic. Yeah, what is going on? Are th- we have to we have to play a clip yeah, of let's this conversation because it is so tonally weird. I know, but I just feel like you're getting up too easily. I know when something's not working. I've been through it. Yeah. It's not working. I know, but I want you to go. Makes me sad. I can't. I can't be here without you. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I'm not kidding. So there's no one here you would be willing to stay for. No? Don't go. I'm not kidding. Don't go. Don't go. How am I supposed to do this without you? I'm Mm -mm. sorry. Listening back to it, I'm even more confused. It's so weird. So there's no one here that you would stay for? She's doing the like soft Kylie baby voice. Yeah, too. Like, this is the thing. I know it's Kylie's voice, you? but it is sexy baby flirty voice that she is giving him. She has sexy flirty baby voice. That's mm-hmm. just her default. How yeah. did she get so lucky? But it is very <laughs> funny to see it deployed at Blake, who we have barely seen her interact with, from, like from our point of view all season. It was so and weird. Also, she seems to be requesting that he just like pick a random person to try to pursue that, that he has no interest really in. really strongly. As, as So here's the thing. I think that or what's most likely me. is that some combination of producer intervention being like, we want to get a shot of Kylie running away. Kylie, can you go talk to him? You guys are friends. Yes. Or, and or, Kylie wants Jess to stay because Jess is one of her posse. And so she wants to convince Blake to to backtrack so that Jess will stay and hang out. However, it really comes across as if literally it is a scene scripted in a Hallmark movie (laughs) where the two main characters realize that it's not their terrible boyfriend and girlfriend that they're into. It's been each other the whole time, right? Like, that's the tone. It's like, really? I I can't do this without you. Is there not even one person here that you would stay for? And obviously, the implication is that that person is her in a scene like that in a rom-com. I'm just saying. That's definitely what the editors and production are playing with. That is what they want us to feel from this scene. I suspect that is not actually what Kylie was saying. But why did she say it like that? It's so bizarre. It's very weird. But what we see from Kylie later is that she's just desperate to have all of the people she likes be forced to stay, to stay on the beach until the bitter end, <laughs> even if they're miserable. Yeah, he was yeah, also she's not like ready for the girls' trip to end. Sweating so much. I know that that's not a part of the scene. I just Blake's probably like, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the air conditioned hotel room to order room service. Truly, like I'm done here. He looked like he was just taking a shower. I was like, this man has got yeah. to go. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's extremely ready to go. He's like, Kylie, please, in a nice way, please let me go. In the SUV, he just seems really beaten down. And again, just like Jess, I think has, maybe this was their downfall, that they both invested a ton of expectation in finding love on this exact show to like 
redeem their senses of themselves as worthy people to love. And he's like, I didn't come for fun. I came to find someone. At this point, I feel like I've tried it all. I've tried three times and failed. I feel like a failure to come out empty-handed. You feel like you have things to offer. And why you're not figuring it out, I have no idea. This is too strong of a reaction to not finding love on three reality shows. And also, he did find love on one of them. But it didn't last forever, so it didn't doesn't. So count. it's a fa- it's the same as a failure, right? I do respect. As we all know, every relationship that doesn't last until you literally die is, is worth nothing. Yeah, nothing, so. nothing at all. Tell Dan Savage that. Um, I thought it was <laughs> cool though that he left. Like, and and hear mm-hmm. me out. Like, I do respect when people are like, "No, I actually came on here to find love," as opposed to other. Uh, I'll call them characters. We're going to get into where it's like. I get it. You needed a brand deal or you needed to, like, up the follower count so you're just going to, like, party boy it up. You know, like, at least he was like, no, it didn't work out with Jess. He gets in the car. And I don't love the failure part either, although I do think it's really relatable. Like, I think we all sort of do things like that with other relationships after breakups um, and have these similar feelings and thoughts. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, character. I support that. You're not going to, yeah. you're like, you came, I just, wanted, yeah. I just wanted to give him a hug. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted I to hug Blake. him and be like, Blake, you're not a failure. And I understand. I think actually the engagement makes him feel more that way because how difficult is it to think that you have found the right person and to make that commitment and then to have that fall and apart? That's, that is something that does, I'm sure, feel a lot like a failure and it probably makes this much harder for him. But I just want to be like, Blake, this doesn't reflect on you. This doesn't reflect on your desirability. It doesn't reflect on your ability to find love one day. These were just three scenarios where you had a small chance of finding love and you right. didn't and you're going to you're going to rise again. I really believe in you. I I think Blake has emerged as such a mature voice on this season and I just want him to I hope that he did some reflecting and that he ultimately feels good coming out of this and feels like he can go forth and date yeah. in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem is that once you've been on enough of these shows, you start to probably feel like this is the only place where I can date, where it's not immediately a thing. It's like, oh my God, I saw Blake M. from The Bachelor on Hinge. You know? Oh yeah, you can never, you can like never go on <laughs> but it's, a dating app but again. But people do find love outside of these shows, even after they go on these shows. Blake, we believe in you. You're a catch. Yeah, a lot of influencers in this world. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so many. And they do find love. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually 
work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part? All Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we are back. And Aaron B. and Avon were watching all of this go down between Blake and Jess, and they were making an astute observation, which is that when one couple in the group breaks up, 
everyone else starts to break up. Yeah. First up on this journey, Mercedes and Tyler. I know we're all shocked. Yeah, I think this one was coming. Regard- they do try to play this up like, if you just break one couple up, the dominoes fall. But I think Mercedes and Tyler were about to break up. <laughs> anyway. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And Mercedes pulls Tyler for a chat because she's just been stewing over, first of all, the truth box reveal that someone had written in that everyone knows he's not that into her. And... Then at the roast, he made some jokes. All the guys just messed up their love connections by making public roasts of their partners, which was really stupid. Well, a lot of people think they're funny and they don't like so many people think they're not that they're funny and they don't understand like punching down is not we've 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 passed that. It's like an art roasting people. And they were like, ha ha, we hate you. I also, that was the joke. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of the jokes were terrible. Also, I wasn't here for this episode, so now I want to, like, get my commentary in. But I felt like, as I watched it, I was like, I do think that sometimes men feel like being teased or teasing is a way of showing affection. But a lot of women don't experience it that way. Like, being publicly mocked doesn't <laughs> feel like an affectionate way of showing that they really know you in the way that it might in the reverse. And I felt like a lot of the guys were making this mistake. They mm. were like... I get to make fun of Mercedes because she's my girl. And Mercedes is like, I'm the one person you should make sure never looks bad. And you've done the opposite. Which seems so obvious. Yeah. I actually also thought it went the other way, too. I thought that Blake looked really hurt by the jokes Katie was making about him in front of the group. And I was like, you guys probably all could have kept it with your friends, maybe for this roast, but... The damage has been done. Mercedes sits Tyler down. She's like, I think we've plateaued. We haven't gotten deeper. I don't feel pursued or wanted. You never touch my leg, except for right now, as you are touching my leg right now. But that is very unusual in our dynamic. And she's like, I heard that long distance was off the table for you. He says, yeah, I am, like, scared of long distance. And she says, well, we are from all over the country. So... What was your plan here? Are you just here for a fling if you don't want to do long distance? I don't think you're even trying with me. And this makes Tyler offended. He's like, you don't think I've tried? I've tried so hard to love you. I love that his answer is just, (laughs) you don't think I've tried? There's no, here are the ways in which I've tried. It's just, you don't say. By the way, that's like- throwing it back on you. The first step in gaslighting repeat like say anything it's like like uh i think your tone is is like or i i feel like you're yelling at me i'm sorry you feel like i'm yelling at you i'm about to <laughs> gaslight the shit out of you do you understand what i'm saying where it's like i've tried so hard it's like uh when we we haven't seen it i think he's just like deer in the headlights being like wait what i don't think tyler has clocked in at all that mercedes no. is dissatisfied with the state he of the relationship like he's on and a completely is, different vibe yeah to everyone. he's been hanging out with his bros having a great time with his best bud avon and he's like wait mercedes is upset like he just did not pick up on anything in their last conversation and she's just she's over it yeah and he i th- Sorry, I just think that, like, to have that be the one thing that he pushes back on and everything she just said, I would be so offended as Mercedes. Like, all you want to tell me is that you tried really hard to be into me, and the result is 
Nothing. There's no spark. The result yeah. is there's no spark, Claire. Yeah. But he's trying. He's, he's like, trying I to wanted find it. to leave he's digging with around in the sand that I had a spark with. And she says, do we have one? He's like, that's what I've been trying to find. So I guess he was trying by sitting around being like, do I feel a spark with Mercedes? Nah. And finally, he's like, no, I haven't felt the spark. Mercedes seems taken aback and honestly, just like sad. I really felt for her. I thought she reacted really maturely to a pretty hurtful approach from Tyler. It's just the kind of thing that I think you assume that someone feels a spark if they are dating you. And the yeah. fact that think he of wouldn't that have it's, brought it's an this initial, up with her, you know? Right. He's never expressed that he has any feelings of disconnect in their relationship. She's given him the opening. And he's now at the end of this experience, basically, saying... I never even felt a spark. And then he tries to litigate the meaning of spark, which is hilarious. Yeah. Car- okay, a question. To me, spark is like attraction. Like spark is like, I want to I wanna fuck initial. this person. I want to kiss this person. I just want to be around this person. It's not, uh, it's not something you can like think your way into. It's like, do I want to be near you? It's instinctual. Yeah. So the fact Apparently, that he's like, I he never felt this. Different- I have a yeah, different He has a idea. different definition, okay? He just has a specific definition of spark, and it's something that you can sit on a beach for 11 days and contemplate whether you have it, and then you conclude at the end. That's how a spark works for Tyler. I do oh. think that it's possible that he used the wrong word, because that is, that is I think, what most people think of when they think of a spark. Like, it's not the full-blown flame of love, right? It's just that initial friction of attraction and desire that you can foster and potentially into something bigger. And I think he meant more like I wanted to leave with someone that I really felt real, legitimate, like potential for a long-term relationship with. And we had that initial attraction and fun, but I didn't know if that spark was going to be something bigger, which might make more sense. I still didn't get much of a sense that he was doing much to further that by the way he was acting or thinking about their relationship from what we saw. But yeah, they're, they just end up in this back and forth about what he means by spark. And he's like, my definition is different than yours, clearly, because we see it differently. And that's the root of all of our issues here. And, and to Mercedes' <laughs> credit, she just says, like, I'm out. Like, yeah. you're not going to get my rose. Basically, we're done. And I, I do give her a lot of credit for that. She didn't try to convince him to feel a different way or like leave a lot of space for him to just play paradise as Blake would put it like with her for the rest of the time she's like okay we're done I have the power move on as 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 she should as we all should as she should Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I really respected that I was kind of sad by how this went because Tyler was almost the too earnest guy on Rachel and Gabby's season, and even a little bit with with Brittany, where it just seemed like he was so eager to have a girlfriend and to be committed that he wasn't selective enough about the actual connection. And now he's, like, gone the other direction where he's like, well, that didn't work, so I guess I just don't care about women or whether I have a connection with them. I just hang out and make out with some of them and whatever. Nothing, like, penetrates my good vibes. And that's not giving me a good feeling either. <laughs> I feel like he needs to find that happy medium. Yeah, it's weird to go on a show where all the contestants are from all over the country knowing that your deal breaker is long distance. That yeah. does seem a little 
flawed. I kind of suspect that it wouldn't be a deal breaker if he was with someone that he felt really strongly for. Yeah. I mean, isn't that always the case? Exactly. It's like, no, babe, it's just a deal breaker for you. The for you is silent. Because I don't, I'm not that into you. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that they've been talking around the whole time. Like when she asked him about it before and he was like, oh, like, you know, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If and a guy like, ever no, I was said that to if me, you wanted to do long distance with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, Could you imagine? Oh, I don't know. If it works out, it works out. Like, yeah, no shit, dude. I'm like, wh- yeah. It's How about here, though? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. The issue is that he's not considering her as worth even trying. And that's obvious to her at this point. So Tyler heads for the exit. But meanwhile, some connections are still blooming. Michael uh, has set up a little rustic basketball hoop for Olivia. They play some hoops with a basketball that appears to be just like a towel or a tarp that's been wrapped in rope. I felt like they were leaning a little too hard on this. They definitely could have found a basketball or a soccer ball. They were like, no, we're going to do arts and crafts. (laughs) Yeah, that was a, it was weird. That scene felt like I was like, what are we doing here? Like, it doesn't even bounce. <laughs> Bizarre. They I mean, just it, it a really does vignette. not resemble a basketball, except that it's a sphere. Yeah. Yes. Listen, yes. I'm just saying they're not on a remote island. They could have found a ball. They preferred to have the sort of the look of a really makeshift. Like, he made this basketball for her with his own two brawny hands. Um, and Olivia's into it. They make out. John Henry is kissing Kat. He tells her he loves kissing her. That's all he thinks about. Aaron tells Eliza he's interested in meeting her family. But now we have two single ladies and a bunch of single dudes who are looking for those roses. Jess and Mercedes have roses to give out, no one to offer them to. And Rachel's rose is up in the air because she had committed to kind of pursuing things with Tanner until he made very unkind jokes about her at the roast. It's And now they're on the outs. One of the many points in which this episode felt like there were some real narrative gaps. We never saw a conversation between Rachel and Tanner after the roast. The last conversation they had, they were they agreed to try having a relationship, basically. Yeah. And then all of a sudden She's like, well, I'm not con- even considering giving Tanner my I rose. I mean, did you see how upset she was after the rose? She was, like, sobbing and telling a friend, like, I don't think he was ever even really into me. I don't think that was real, because why would he it do that? It doesn't surprise me. It's, I just wish that we would have actually seen her express some of that to I Tanner. I wonder if she did. I get the sense sometimes that Rachel does not. Maybe she OD'd on, on breakup conversations as Bachelorette. It seems like she doesn't always want to have explicit conversations about what's going on with the guys that she's interested in. Yeah, I mean, maybe she just made that decision, moved on and never spoke to him again, and he got the impression that she wasn't into it. It's weird. I feel like they might have just been trying to condense a lot of different storylines and just not showing us a lot. Yeah. Which feels kind of shitty, because it does rob her of the opportunity. Like, one of the things that I think is really obvious about Rachel, especially in this season, is that um, her perception of loyalty is, like, paper thin. I think we understand why, and I'm a little like this, but it's like, if she catches a whiff of you being kind of 
on the fence or doubting or saying one thing and doing another, like your actions don't line up with what you say, she's out. She's like immediately out. And I would have liked to see that conversation because I think it would have given us like a little more insight and understanding to her experience, you know, at least confronting him and being like, listen, you said this thing that was like under the guise of a joke, but it was really fucking hurtful right after we had just talked about giving this a shot, like, where are you actually at? You know? Because yeah, I would have yeah, liked to exactly. know that, too. I agree. I I hope they did. I They probably did have a conversation. I really wish they would have shown it, it, even if it wasn't the most satisfying conversation. To see something would have been yeah. preferable. Yeah, it just, I don't know, read as a, a big gap to me. Maybe I'm just, I'm also just very invested in Rachel's arc. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, she's been shortchanged uh, in a lot of ways. A hundred So Rachel has turned her attention back to Jordan, who has been showing interest in her. They went on the date. He chose her for the date. Um, She had sort of pivoted to Tanner, but now she's pivoting back. And she is giggling with him. She's flirting. She tells him how good she feels with him. And he's like, yeah, I mean, look at you. You're smiling. This is so great. And she tells him she's not considering giving her rose to anyone else. In and in the moment, she says, I deserve someone who is all in on me, and Jordan could be that person. And then the fucking heel turn. We have a clip of the conversation Jordan has seemingly immediately after this interaction with Rachel. Obviously, like, our relationship is great. Like, we're great friends. But, like, is the romantic side for me there? Like, I don't know if I can get those, like, romantic feelings back. Excuse me, why? Okay, so first of all, he is saying this to a group gathered on the beach. It's like Aaron, Eliza, Olivia, Sam, Brayden is there. What? What? And they're Didn't all- you just go on a romantic date with Rachel in which you expressed that you had romantic feelings for her? And right. they're all friends with Rachel and they've seen her kind of go yeah. through it. And Brayden probably feels guilty because of what he did to her. So they're all like, Rachel has so much excitement about you. She'd been wondering for weeks if you were going to come. And Brain's like, you guys are cute as fuck together. And Jordan's like, yeah, but is it more than that? I actually kind of wonder if some of their commentary had to do with something being cut where he mentions her kind of going back and forth between him and Tanner. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's driving some of this. Because I can understand feeling some insecurity about his connection when she was not all in on him. And it yeah, seems like them could, saying, oh, she was so excited to see you. It seems more like a response to that than whether they have a romantic spark together. Yeah, It's I just agree. weird because he says that the romance is there for him on his side. But then, yeah, they're talking about her. Yeah. You could be right. It could also, There frankly, seems like this some disjointed com- editing of this that, like, throws the conversation off for me. It could have even happened before his conversation with Rachel, like this could have been edited in a completely different order, right? Like he could have pursued Mercedes, then gotten that reassurance from Rachel, not known where he stood with Mercedes mm, and yeah. then gone to the rose ceremony. Like it's, it's very unclear. You never know. Events. You never know. But it's so weird. Cause again, like I just think a, a more interesting, not to be the editor, but I think a more <laughs> interesting take is like, if Jordan had come back to the show and, and expressed what he just said to the group, to Rachel and was like, listen, yes. I was so into you. You really hurt my, like I, I got cut like 
I didn't see it coming because I thought we had this amazing date in space. And uh, <laughs> you were out of this world. But <laughs> And um, then you like axed me. And part of my healing was getting over it. So like, I don't know if I can go back to that vulnerable place where I have these like romantic feelings, but I like want to try. I just think that's a much more interesting journey and narrative. Yeah. And honest, yes. like this is what when leads especially are always banging the drum about vulnerability. It's so annoying. But there is that piece of truth to it, which is if you're not going to be vulnerable about how you really feel, then you're just going to have these confusing, surface-level, evasive conversations. Like, he's coming in and telling Rachel, like, I'm so glad we get to do this again. It's so cool. We had such a good time. Like, you look better than ever. And then deep in his heart, yeah, he's feeling these more complicated feelings that she should know about and that would be more interesting for us to see worked through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I completely agree. It seems like he was downplaying that because he wanted to have screen time with her, honestly. Like, if he had said that, maybe she wouldn't have wanted to try things with him. And then he wouldn't get to, like, go on a date with the former lead on Paradise. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm being cynical. No, no. no. I I, I started going to cynical places, too, because it seems like he was sort of lying in wait for Mercedes. Like, Mercedes was not an option when he arrived on the beach. So he didn't express to anyone that that's where his actual interest was. And now Mercedes is single. Mm. So yeah, move aside, Rachel. It's time for Jordan to hit on Mercedes. Yeah. He sits down with her. She tells him what uh, Tyler said about there being no spark. And Jordan is like, well, that's just not cool. Because then, well, why did it go on for so long? And I'm like, Jordan... Ask yourself, need to turn that mirror right back in your own direction here. It just seems disingenuous. I'm like, you are, this is the same night as you're telling the group that you're openly pursuing Rachel, even though you're not sure if you have any romantic feelings for her. It also was like the way that they shot it, where I I don't know 100% where they are, but it's like they walk into this like secluded location. My brain goes, Rachel's, um, she's adept at this, right? Like she understands how the game gets played, which I think is so important for the ending, which I'm not going to talk about, but mm-hmm. uh, it's hard for me to picture this happening without her like knowing or catching wind of it, unless it was really covert and shepherded by producer so that this conversation happened without her knowing you know, because yeah. she's, she's got she's got her eyes open. She understands how, like, all of this is going down. I can't imagine her see, like, in Jordan take Mercedes and walk away and not flagging that. That's so I wonder true. if she did know. This is, again, another one of those narrative gaps. I really don't think that they told the end of Rachel's story in a way yeah. that makes any sense because there's so much going on with both Tanner and Jordan in this episode. And we see Rachel we don't see her addressing any of these dynamics with the two of them at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that very odd. It does seem like you're pointing out unusual that they were in such a secluded spot. It's not, it's not like it never happens, but so much happens on the day beds where everyone can see. Even when Tyler went over to Jess and made out with her, even though he was was already a a thing with Mercedes, it was on a day bed. (laughs) Like these things aren't often done so covertly. No. So I think that's a really good point. It's not clear if Rachel knew about that. Um, Yeah, I I thought that was all, it just left a bad taste in the mouth. Like there's no reason Rachel shouldn't deserve to know 
that he's not all in on her and that he has these doubts. And instead, he's kind of cozying up to Mercedes by acting like such a good guy who would never mislead someone about the extent of his romantic feelings for her. And he can't believe also- some of some bad guy, some not good guy would do that to her. That's not okay. Every man who goes on this show is very sure that he's the good guy. And I'm going to say not a single one of them is like a good, is a capital G good guy. Except well, for Blake. And I eagerly await Blake's cancellation Blake. so that I can stop feeling that way. Just kidding. My whole theory is that uh, the good guy TM is the ultimate catfish, which is basically what you're saying. Where it's oh, like, yes. good guy is a persona. So well, when exactly. guys like need to tell you that they're a good guy, run. Don't walk. Red flag. <laughs> run. It's a red flag. flag. Yeah, Just huge red flag. Catfish. You show someone that you are good, lowercase good, by treating them well in small incremental yeah. moments it's how yes, trust is exactly. built it's how character exactly. yes all of those and by things treating yes. other good guy people is a character well. it's not real i feel like we see a little confusion from mercedes in this moment where she's like i don't understand what's happening really but if a guy is showing you that he's a good guy by being really nice to you and in the process being not a good guy to someone else pay attention to that because still a red flag he could be not a good guy to you to be nice to someone I think, else next time. Yes. I think at this point, it's so ab- obvious to me that Mercedes has no interest in Jordan. She's hurt about Tyler and she's not ready to leave yet. So it's yeah. like, well, I guess this is what I'm like. And Kylie yeah. is like begging. She's like, Mercedes, Jess, like, stay open. You don't want to look For back me. and regret cutting your experience <laughs> short. And she's I'm like, like, I need you Kylie, when I get engaged. Yeah, Kylie, yeah. this isn't about them. This is not about them. This is about you. She's like, and I, I want get all it. My you don't want your friends to go. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to meet someone in the last, like, day and a half of Paradise, and it's all going to work out? Come on. Yeah, we all know that the most quality catches end up showing up in the last 24 hours. Yes, exactly. When the lights go on in the bar, (laughs) and you are about to leave, yeah, that's the person you you grab. And you grab someone, and they're an incredible man. And you wake up next to Shrek. That's what happens. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will get into the rest of this episode. Can you keep up? I like love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. And we're back. So after Kylie's pep talk, Jess decides that 
yes, she wants to consider exploring some other things. And I think that she and Mercedes are in very different positions because Blake was actually someone just kind of settled for. There were other guys who were higher on her list that she couldn't pursue because they were pursued by or pursuing friends of hers on the beach. And now she's actually kind of free. She doesn't have to worry about Blake's feelings anymore. Her friends are no longer, you know, seeing these guys in a romantic way. And so, like, this is kind of an opportunity for Jess to actually try things out with some of her her number one picks. So, cue Brayden pulling Jess with a special gift for her, a box of chocolates. There appears to be some backstory to this that I missed or that wasn't in the edit. She just always wanted a man who would bring her chocolates. Okay. We got to raise we got to raise that bar up. We got to we got to I know. The bar is I in hell. Raise the bar for Jess <laughs> in so many ways. The thing about a wish like that is you can just find a guy who's really nice and considerate and be like I would like you to bring me chocolates. You know? Like that's that's one you can Dream work on. Dream bigger, Jess. Honestly, <laughs> he doesn't have to be nice or considerate. I mean, there have been first dates where I've told guys I would like flowers. And you know what they do? They show up with flowers. Why? Because yeah. uh they want things to happen. Yep, and at that yeah. point, I, yeah. <laughs> I have the power. So they'll show up with anything I want. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Just because a guy brings you flowers or chocolates does not mean that he is going it to be a good partner in other ways. absolutely nothing about their ability to be a good partner Correct. or have good character. Correct. Yeah. And it also doesn't stuff. mean that they'll ever bring you chocolates again. So. True. Also, Facts. I'm going to say Brayden didn't even buy these. No. Yeah. He went to a producer and said... Can you, you some chocolate? hook yeah. this up? <laughs> yeah. That undercuts every gesture that ever happens on a Bachelor show is that you just, you know that a producer actually did it. Yes. And so yeah. it's not like the thought that counts or the effort that counts because they didn't have to put in either. No effort or thought. Cut to uh, Tanner turning his head. I loved how they edited this. It was like a Nature Channel documentary where you see <laughs> the gazelle like running through the fields and then you cut to like a lion turning its head like, oh, I hear hoofbeats, you know? <laughs> like Tanner's like, I heard Jess is single and entertaining gentlemen callers. It's time for me <laughs> to spring into action. Yeah, this this felt very Bridgerton. <laughs> it was also like Bridgerton and the doc meets like curb your enthusiasm because yes, she's yeah, exactly. talking to it's it's taylor right like i don't even know if i know oh his god. name oh the my taylor god stuff. she's I, like talking to him and it was oh my god she interrupts we have to taylor talk about taylor and taylor says yeah we were just having a moment but uh and then he gets up and leaves at no point is just like oh yeah could we have another or oh taylor thank you it's just sort of like no one else knows he's in the scene is almost how it feels. Like, he he's is invisible. Giving, he's talking about a dog he has, and Jess is like, oh, yeah, I have a family dog. Yeah, they, were having, a, to be the ex- they were having a moment. That seems to be the extent of their conversation. It's very interesting. And you can, like, stuff. see her see Tanner walking up, and she's, like, she's starting like, to kind of, like, laugh. And, like, Tanner knows he's interrupting, and she knows he's interrupting. The only person who doesn't seem to know that he's about to get interrupted is Taylor, despite the yeah. fact that some six-foot-six dude is, like, walking towards them. <laughs> it is the—it's a great, mwah, great yeah. comedy scene. Taylor, this, Taylor is fascinating. has anti-charisma. Yeah. It is truly anti-charisma. This is, a, this is a man who got cast on this show— because he blends in with other vaguely handsome white yeah, men. Yeah, he's I handsome. I promise you, if three weeks from now, 
you put him in a lineup, I would not recognize him. No, zero percent. I love how they're kind of, and I mean, it's a little bit mean, so maybe I shouldn't say this, but I kind of love how they're making a character out of his lack of charisma and his lack of screen presence. Like, they're kind of playing with it, with the no-date card, and the, which is mean, and the way that they handle this scene. Like, it turns what could be, like, a whoops, we cast someone boring into its own kind of character, which is the, yeah, Pretty the genius. bumbling comedy. Like, he's in a different scene than everyone else. Like, he does, he has no idea what's going on. It's like they hired a seat filler, but he I'm thinks he's supposed to interact it. with them. And they're like, no, you're a seat filler. Please don't talk to us. It's so good. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Next, another hot take. I hope Taylor comes back, and I hope it just gets progressively more and more awkward. Like, I hope that that becomes his role in the franchise and that he is, like, a foil. I I want him to be first on the beach next year so that we can just have, like, a half hour of footage of him wandering around, having to give a monologue about who he hopes to meet. Like, yeah, we we deserve this. I feel bad because this episode gets more and more humiliating for him and... It was hard to watch. I was like, he's a human person. I hope he's okay because sure I would he's not a be nice okay. Person. Um, okay. But, but it is kind of TV gold. And if he can lean into it and have fun with it, I too would love to see him, you know, playing just sort of like a Mr. Bean style, like sort of silent, like, why is he here? Like, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do in this setting kind yeah, of character in. in the franchise. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you need to own your lack of charisma, Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Make it a power. I loved this moment. And he kind of excuses himself, and Tanner and Jess are just already completely focused on each other and have forgotten he exists. And Tanner sits with Jess and is like, you're such a good person. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I've gone through things, but, like, nothing compared to what you've gone through on this beach. Like, what are they even talking about? Neither of them have been through anything. What what deep, deep trauma (laughs) have these two been through on the beach? Like, dating people that they didn't marry? That's... yeah. For, like, a few days. Dating he, people that they didn't want to marry, honestly. Yeah. He's the worst communicator, in my opinion. It is, uh, yeah. I need, like... It is astounding. I truly need, like, a like a gum, dummy's guide to Tanner. Yeah, Tanner needs a, a dummy's guide to having conversations with women. It's... Baffling. I, because he comes in with so much goodwill. Everyone's like, he seems like a nice guy. He's normal. He, like, has job. He's tall. He's handsome. We're giving He's tall guys way too asset. much credit. The opposite. Like, every time that he has a relationship with a woman, you get more and more like, what is he doing? What? Yeah, I, I really had, <laughs> was really in on Tanner. And this episode just, yeah, no. It was a big no for me. So Jess asks Tanner how things are going with Rachel. And this is what he says. Yeah, um... I gave Rachel my rose last week because, like, she did make me feel comfortable and, like, we just had, like, good conversations and it was always super friendly. And I realized yesterday and today that, like, it probably wasn't anything more than a friendship. And things have changed for me. This made me so mad. Last week, first of all, we saw Tanner directly tell Rachel, this was in no way a friendship, Rose. How could you even think it's a friendship, Rose? That's so weird that you think that because I'm just so into you. And I just want to like watch Netflix and have dinner and conquer the world and start a business with my person. And maybe (laughs) that's you. Let's be in a relationship. And now like 
12 hours later, he's like, well, Jess, now that you're single, um, and I made a mean joke about Rachel that she didn't like, I really realized that things have changed for me. And also it was never more than a friendship. This is the thing that makes me mad is that Rachel kind of accurately, I guess, clocked that it was just a friendship rose. And then he convinces her that it's more because he wants her, I guess, to give a rose back to him. And then made terrible yeah. like, jokes about her and pissed her off. And now he's like, oh, yeah, it was never really a thing anyway. Yeah, like, I, I why, wasn't even into her. I didn't even like her. Why are you, like, messing with her then? Leave her alone. She under she understood it to not really be anything more than a friendship. And you were offended by that. You were, like, sulking. You were like, why is Rachel not understanding that I'm pursuing her? You did pursue her. And now you're taking it all back because it didn't work out because you were a dick to her. I like, hate it. Yeah. I can't I get a read so on, part of me is like, I think it was Jess the whole time that he was just waiting for. The other part of me is like, I can't tell if he's like so dumb that he's being really manipulated by producers or if he's been playing the game the whole time and he's just is trying to stay on the beach as long as possible. Like I truly can't figure no out idea. what is happening with Tanner. No idea. Yeah. I guess my initial takeaway was like, wow, it's so easy to be a tall sort of generically handsome white man who's dating because you can just kind of go through a list of hot women that you're interested in and not be a good communicator and not really seem like much of a catch in any other way. And they'll all just be like, oh, you're interested in me. Great. And you can always have a woman at your beck and call. But yeah, maybe it's maybe it's something else. I... I feel like he was just working his way through a list of potential women, but not trying that hard because he always knew he had a bench of women that he was mm. interested in and that might be interested in him. Like, that was kind of yeah. the vibe I got. I don't I know. I think he's just kind of casting about. Like, I don't even get the sense that he's been waiting for Jess. Yeah. I think Jess was on his list, but he I think he didn't choose her Jess. to go on a date. Yeah. He didn't choose her initially. So, like, I, I don't think he's waiting around for her. That was I think early he's enough just kind of flailing that about. he could have definitely been like, I yeah. know you're hanging out with Blake, but... And she would have said yes. Cat so. was hanging out with someone else too. Yeah. Cat yeah. was already seeing someone. So it's definitely yeah, not true. Yeah. We need a it short seems, king revival, is all I'm we, taking away from this. No more tall guys. The, the problem is that all of the guys have their own reasons for being bad. And with short this men, it's because this they're insecure. True. And with tall men, it's because they're <laughs> right, overconfident. Yeah. And well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are all men who are dating on a television show. So there's yeah. just. A basic level. Yeah, there's that fact. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Jess is thrilled. She's like, I do want to get to know him. I just feel sort of weird. Uh, Tanner is just so happy. He's like, I'm hopeful. You've been closed off to me because of Blake, but that's actually a green flag that you're so loyal. It's such a green flag when you'll just flag. stay in a relationship indefinitely, even when you don't like the person. It's a green flag. I mean, just love that to his credit, you. he doesn't know about that part yet, but he will. <laughs> I guess that I, like, haven't been on the dating scene in a decade, but do people, like, actually talk about flags oh. in conversation with each other on dates now? Oh, well, God, like, oh, it's no. a green flag for me that you like dogs. It's a green flag for actually, me. Actually, I you... guess. I guess. It's such a, it's, like, so... I mean, it's um, definitely on all It's like the TikTokification of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it depends how, like, chronically online you are. Like, <laughs> I would not be caught dead talking yeah. about that kind of stuff on a date, but I'm sure people do. 
Uh, well, they are both just two bruised and battered Bachelor in Paradise warriors who are finally getting to date two of the top people on their lists of potentials. And I think they're going to be okay. And now it's time for the rose ceremony. The first uh, few are just givens, of course. Eliza gives her rose to Aaron. Kat gives her rose to John Henry. Woof. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny I, the to reason me. why I'm glad we didn't have to see that much of them. I'm same. I was like, them. part of the reason why this episode was so good. No cat. Yeah, minimal cat. It is better. We deserved this. I, <laughs> yes, yes. And I like John Henry, but I'm. I just don't see it. And there is something just funny to me whenever she's like, "I'm finally getting pieces of my soul back, and I'm gonna marry him." And I'm like, "No, you're not." Like I, I'm, I'm like, ready to be proven wrong this, but no. First of all, your soul. Mm. Yes. Also, she's like, "That's where my soul is." Before, <laughs> like, where? I'm like, did what you damage your soul? Yeah. When you were just like really being a girl's girl, is that what damaged your soul? Like, yeah. Or was no it- one's a bigger supporter of other women than Kat. I okay? feel like How whenever you, something even slightly bad happens to her, like when a guy she's been on one date with isn't interested anymore, the way she reacts isn't even sad so much as it is like, I'm too pretty for this to be happening to me. Yeah. It's an entitlement. The yeah. narcissism, like, I. I have thought about her fight with Olivia on the beach like <laughs> so many times. Like it's actually unhealthy. Like I should go get looked at. Um, <laughs> You're like relitigating it. Like, because yeah. I We're was just like this. me watching narcissism unfold in real time. Like I was so like, holy shit. I, somebody needs to get in there and referee and stop and be like, ma'am, ma'am, <laughs> no. No, no, you can't be like, these are the examples. And then when she's like, can you give me an example? Be like, I don't have to. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, moving on, moving on. Yeah, moving on. The roses. Kylie gives hers to Avon, Olivia to Michael, Sam to Peter, Jess to Tanner. Mm. But unfortunately, to Taylor, it sounds like Taylor. This was and like the worst starts, moment of my oh life. My yeah, this, I wanted to actually <laughs> remove my whole skin suit and like slither out of it and never be yeah. seen again. I had that feeling like when I see my toddler like bonk his head really hard at the playground where I just want to rush over and be like, oh my God, sweetie, are you okay? <laughs> Did it's you guys so gasp? Humiliating. I oh, gasped. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. <gasps> yeah. And then, yeah, it was like watching a comic bomb. Like I was like, oh, this is the most uncomfortable thing. Because she does say the right name. We've had wrong names called in the history of this franchise. She does say Tanner. It's not that close to Taylor, but I can see if you're, like, anticipating and you're so nervous and then you just, like, you just hear it. You just go. You just go. And also, Jess is, like, the worst person for this to happen to because she's so nervous about making people feel bad so she's like oh no it was i'm so sorry i'm so sorry it was it wasn't you though it, no yeah oh no sorry. I'm sorry oh i'm sorry yeah the oh. apologizing really is just like the it's, knife just twisting it's so horrible and the best I part can't. is like he doesn't immediately realize it's embarrassing like she says tanner he starts to walk she's like uh-oh everybody's kind of like uh-oh and then he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> my bad. And then it's like a beat. And then he's like, oh, fuck. That was embarrassing. <laughs> I know. But like delayed he's like, embarrassment. Oh, he's like, Poor oh, Taylor. you said Tanner. Oh, 
fuck. And then he like walks back and he's like, you could just see the the look in his eyes like, oh my God, this is going to be played on national TV. This is going to be like my biggest moment mm-hmm. in this franchise. And it is the most embarrassing thing that you could, like a poop baby is nothing on this. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is, this is how we'll remember Taylor. This is how what? Sorry. Yes, this is the Taylor moment. This is how moment. we'll remember is, him. Oh, you yeah. know, like yeah. he was. He'll be in super cuts. <laughs> yeah, that's very <laughs> Until true. this franchise, you know. It'll be this ends. next to the moment where Jesse Palmer calls the wrong name. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Biggest Bachelor Rose ceremony fuck-ups. It's going to be played in blooper reels until oh, this God. franchise ends. And oof, that is tough. I My heart goes out to Taylor, who seems like he has done nothing wrong other than have no charisma and be awkward and try to be on this show anyway. Oof. Poor guy. We, we, lean harder, my dude. Let, yeah. Secure that spot. Yeah. We need oh, to see God. you on the beach next year. <laughs> I want you to be okay. You need to come back so that I know you're okay. And yes. not like, you know, in a, you know, in a complete spiral. Mercedes is up next and she gives her rose to Jordan, who very happily accepts it. And Rachel in this moment looks in a millisecond, like sort of confused and then like hurt and disappointed to me, but not in a really dramatic way. Just something like passes over her face. She's processing. She kind of almost bites her lip. Like you can see her sort of thinking through, okay, what does this mean for me? And like, what does it means kind of that Jordan has it. been pursuing Mercedes? Like she's clearly right. like, oh, he wouldn't. She wouldn't have offered him the rose and he wouldn't have accepted if they hadn't already been talking. And he was conveying to me that he was all in on me. Yeah, which kind of goes back to what I was saying about, like, the covert nature of this, like, their meeting. Yeah. Also, you know, the order in which the women were called, like, obviously, whoever structured it, she was being set up. And that's what I mean. Like, she's done this show long enough. She was like, oh, I really was, like, set up again. Yeah. To be embarrassed. embarrassed. And we know that from his in the moments that Jordan was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have these two connections, and it would be great if one of them offered me a rose. If Rachel had gone first, none of this would have happened. Exactly. No, production knew, and they wanted to put her in a position to be rejected again, because yeah. this is a the theme for her. Mm-hmm. And it it sucks. Yeah, it seems like they wanted to try something different than what happened with Becca, which is Becca coming back and getting to be, like, the celebrity of the beach, the former bachelorette. She's powerful she has decision making power she's like running the beach and now they have a former bachelorette coming back to be in a very different position to be set up to be kind of rejected and embarrassed i hate it yeah well i think they know that she cries a lot and that Mm. is like you know what i mean like she on the one hand is like very guarded but she's also really vulnerable and so i think that like I don't know her personally, but if I, if you gave me power to do something for a day, I feel like I would know. I would be like, oh, Rachel's like a shoe in if we hurt her in this way. Yeah. And like, that, she's that coming sucks. in vulnerable. I do, though, and think that, that what happens next is proof that she's in a very different place. Yes, like, she is yeah. so much more self assured and confident than she was when she was on. The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And so she, of course, gives her rose last. She picks up her rose. You can see her start to kind of tear up. And she says, I need just a second. And she walks away. 
Jesse Palmer walks up to her and she tearfully tells him what she's feeling. I think we have a clip. I think, I think I might need to go. Rach, are you sure you want to do this? When I came like down those steps, I told myself if there was a point where I knew I needed to go, I would go. And it's going to be so hard, but I think I know that this is that moment. Well, she sounds so tired. That's what gets me. I know it's probably because she is physically tired in large part, but she sounds also just emotionally tired. I think she is. I think she's emotionally scooped out. And there was a sweet moment where Jesse seems to really care about her. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he was the host of her and Gabby's season. He's seen her kind of go through a lot of shit. And he just, in the least paternalistic way ever, just like reaches out and gives her a hug and is like, yeah, do what you need to do. It's just such a different vibe from Chris Harrison. And it is so apparent, uh, that contrast in moments like this. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's also just like she has got the duality of like being on the show and being a contestant. But then she, again, like I know I keep harping on this, but she like understands how the sausage is made. And I think so it's like there's multiple betrayals, right? Like her, whoever her handler is or handlers are also betrayed her. There's all the people behind the scenes that she's like, it's not just that this guy, Jordan, who I don't think she really cared too much about. I think it's more all of the people around her that she's like, oh, okay, so I'm a joke again. Yeah. Like, th- this You is, wanted me to cry. Right. You you're wanted not, me to be the butt. You don't actually, whatever they've been telling her about finding love or whatever, it's all a joke. Right. Yeah. She's like, I was not a priority in that way. Correct. That's not my purpose here. And I see that. And so yeah. I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to remove myself. Looking back on the whole season, I think must be tough. It feels revealing to me that they had her be first on the beach, which is usually a sign of, like, a main character. But it doesn't seem like they brought anyone in who was really thinking about pursuing Rachel. And no. they didn't have guys lined up for her. She was kind of dating the scraps. Uh, you know, Sean, who she wasn't even that into. Brayden, after he was at Loose Ends from Cat. Like, there was no one who came in who was like, I really want to pursue... Specifically for her. Her, yeah. yeah. They don't seem to have prepared people to date her. And so they clearly sold her on, like, you're going to be first on the beach. You're going to be, like, the star of the season, just like Becca. You're going to have this redemption arc. You get to be fun. You get to be sexy and pursued. And instead, they prepared, like, no one to date her. And they set her up to end the season in tears. And, yeah, I'm sure that they know that she's someone who, when you push her, gives good content like every time she got mad at a guy it was a great scene (laughs) honestly yes (laughs) but um it does feel like yeah it would be as you say like a big betrayal to realize that all those promises were not real they weren't backed up and that they wanted to do something really different with her time on the show i was just really proud of her though for removing for having the strength to say like i'm out i'm done i will no longer subject myself to this like i've gotten what i can out of this i've seen the limitations like i'm I'm done. I yeah. fully agree. I actually wrote down, boundaries are your best friend. Yes. yes. And I felt like that was like my takeaway of this moment. And I 
really hope that she turns around and leans into something, whether it's like, I'm the crying girl or I'm the single girl or I've been dumped so many times or whatever, and uses that as leverage to break off and start a brand or do something away from the franchise. Because I do think it sucks that she's been used as a punching bag for so long. And I would love to see her reclaim that and turn that into something she can monetize. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I I agree. I think we've seen some different sides of Rachel since her season. And I saw some of them on the beach, even though they were clearly using her for more of that same kind of content. Like, I thought she came off as much more laid back, honestly. And, and good, like funny a and good fun sport, Funny. Yeah, she's really... Like a person. Yeah. yeah I liked like her, her a lot. Self. I, I did too. I thought she came off well. And... It's been interesting to hear her give interviews in the post-filming about Paradise. And a lot of what she says is that she had a really fun time. And so I hope that that energy is what kind of stuck with her and that she, you know, has the wherewithal to just be like, well, fuck this. I do think that ultimately she was there to make friends. And I think that she had a lot of friends on the beach and it seems like she had a great time with them. Met a lot of new people from the franchise, like laughed, had a good time. And that is meaningful, even though the show was setting her up to to be the joke. You know, that wasn't a good way for it to end. But in her in the moment, she says, even though she's not leaving with anyone, Paradise has meant standing on her own two feet for the first time. And she's sobbing. And she's like, it's just been the most amazing experience. And I'm just happy. Well, I don't think she's just happy. But she. <laughs> it's clear that there was a lot of good in the experience for her, despite some of these producer machinations and... Guys who Maybe you're suck. right, though. She's just so exhausted yeah. that it's like all the emotion is pouring out in tears. And I really hope that she left the beach, had a nice ride in an air-conditioned SUV, got a nice hotel room, and like sat in bed in a fluffy robe eating room service. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I hope so, too. She deserves all of that. <laughs> she really de- she deserves I it. always like, uh, we always talk about the hierarchy of people on the beach like the first night girls and the first night guys are kind of looked down on. And I think that sucks, but there is something to how like wounded you can be by the franchise. By the time you get here, if you have previously been a top two or three finalist and the lead who gets brutally like badly treated by your fiance that you picked on the show, like she has had a lot of opportunity to to really suffer on the show because of how long she's been on it. And she has. So I do feel more deeply for her than, than most of the other contestants because of that. Me too. I think there's also overlaps between her and Blake a little bit. And you can see why the two of them have become such good friends because they both are like the weathered ones (laughs) who have been beaten down by the franchise and then came back on this season of paradise. The only thing that I will say from like a, so like my day job is I write TV, um, like scripted, not unscripted. (laughs) Um, And the one thing about arcs is that like, if you're at the bottom, you go up. And if you're at the top, you go down. And so she started at the top and she really needed the fall from grace or whatever. And and that wasn't going to happen. So they just beat her down, beat her down, beat her down. But at this point, it's like, okay, she's really gotten like the proverbial shit kicked out of her. So I do yeah. feel like she is set for like a, a nice arc and like a, yeah. a comeback, whether that's going to be on the franchise or off the franchise. And same thing yeah. with Blake. Like, I think that he is primed to 
find the love that he wants or do something else that's spectacular. I actually feel like her arc has been to perennially be on the verge of a comeback because it's Mm. always like, well, the last thing that happened to her sure sucked, but she's ready for her comeback now. And then it's like, and no, she's going back down to the bottom. (laughs) But this time, she's definitely going to have that happy ending. I hope she's done with the franchise, honestly. I think it's time to move on. But if she comes back, they better give her that arc. I'm just... Yeah. Say, (laughs) it's time. Yes, Justice I agree. That, Rachel. Justice okay. for Rachel. That does not count as being at the top, in no. my opinion, because that sucked. I also uh, hope that Olivia is our next next Bachelorette. Oh, my God. Just, God I, I love I, Olivia. I not have to Olivia throw that out. this episode. Yes. That would be a wild move. I would be into it. <laughs> I love her so much. So we have to get through the, yeah. the rest of the episode, which is really just the fact that, of course, because Rachel has left and with her, her rose goes, Brayden and Taylor are both leaving. And we don't hear from Taylor again. What would he Why would say? We? But we do hear from Brayden. Here's what he has to say. I feel deflated. I'm not leaving the way I wanted to leave, which was, you know, someone's hand in mine. I feel like I shouldn't have gone on that date with Becca. I had really good vibes with Rachel, but I messed up the potential for a relationship with her. I burned a bridge with somebody that was an amazing woman and It's a tough lesson to learn. It's a hard pill to swallow, but I have to learn from it. I got to do better. I got to be better. I forgot, by the way. Sorry. I forgot that that was the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We heard from Brayden that he was so sorry uh, and he's going to do better and be better. Mm -hmm. He's learning and growing. This is like his (laughs) notes app apology. His notes app Mm -hmm. apology. Yeah. Uh, Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I do think that going on the date with Becca with another woman might not have mess things up so much but yes Rachel is understandably very guarded and it would have been nice to see where they could have gone if he had not been so determined to do whatever he wanted and not feel tied down I guess and also I think production really didn't want Rachel to to be be in a relationship yeah I think think that that they were very yeah yeah, I think they were very intent on throwing as many obstacles as possible and it's, it's disappointing because I actually really liked Brayden and Rachel's energy when they were together. It was one of so the more yeah. fun connections. And yeah. And then Becca randomly came out of nowhere and then randomly left. Like left. she, yeah. she yeah, served the function. Nice. She Suspicious. like was specifically dropped at the right just time to yeah. just to fuck up that relationship. Yeah. You, you and have then, a chalkboard covered in a... Uh, uh, a corkboard covered in red yarn, don't you? Like Me? connecting all of that. Like, <laughs> no, but I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I thought it and then was like, don't say it. You've already spoken way too much of like a conspiracy theorist. No, you're perfect. <laughs> no, you're perfect. I completely agree. It is a conspiracy. I mean, literally the great thing about reality shows is that they are actually worlds in which higher powers are meddling with the most minute things that in real life, no one would bother meddling with that much. Yeah. But it's <laughs> so like this girl just, real. she just left. And like, we don't yeah. even know why. She was just like, mm, I don't know. I just feel like I should go. I'm sorry. You're like, but why? Yeah. Mm. That makes no sense. Say more. Also, Say like, more, Becca. what deal did you make? Like, you're yeah. going to lose out on clout and all the other things, which is, it doesn't make sense. She was convinced to leave. Yeah, it was a very confusing situation. Brayden seems to feel like he was led astray. He's got a lot to learn, but the Bachelor producers are powerful. So, you know, 
This is how these things tend to go. We also get a glimpse into next week, paradise prom, romance, drama. Avon thinks Kylie only cares about getting engaged. Very like Mr. Big and Carrie Bradshaw in the Sex and the City movie moment. All of the women are crying. John Henry's gut is telling him not to propose. Peter is saying something to Sam that really sounds like him gearing up to say, but this is over between us. And someone is getting married by Jesse Palmer on the beach. Mari and Kenny. Who actually got married in Puerto Rico, but sure, (laughs) sure. Yeah, a fake wedding for Mari and Kenny. It's always a fake wedding. But they also had a real one, so that makes it legit. In the credits tag, John Henry and Kat are finding something in common, of which apparently they have a lot of. In this case, it's that they both always have to pee... John Henry attributes this to how he's always diving, so he just pees through his wetsuit constantly whenever he has even the slightest urge, and he is trying to train his bladder to hold it for longer. Kat is like, what's my excuse then? And uh, then they make out. These lovebirds, I mean, we just <sighs> love to see things blossom. They would always need to stop for a rest stop break at the same time on road trips. So I guess, I mean, I guess that's a lot. I watched it and had a very like mean girl thought, but I'm going to share it because I don't care. I was like, well, <laughs> they are both real fucking dumb. So like they got that in common. You know what I was like? I was like, hmm, this is a match made in stupid. I actually think that this might go the distance. Like that's the, that's where they're connecting. Like, oh, we both have small bladders. I, I mean, that's true romance. I, I also, lo- <laughs> honestly, I think these two are going to go the distance for at least six months. Is that yeah. a contractual thing? No, oh. just that's my. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Kat's extremely committed, and John Henry is very passive. Yeah, he's a yeah. Long I agree. Ride. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I also think that they are gonna go what the distance, whatever that distance is. But yes, like, exactly. Yes, they do seem locked in. Every time we see them together, it, yeah, it is, it is something to see. It's it's like the himbo meets like Mean Girl energy is, um, yeah. I also am just like I. She's got like hair extensions and Botox and false lashes and all of these things, and he's like a country boy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- that's not a knock on either. Um, it's just so extremely different. Yeah, it is yes, hard. There, there to, are some cultural gaps to overcome for these two, but maybe yeah. like a Hallmark movie in which a big city <laughs> career woman shows up at the Christmas the tree lot. Yeah. yeah, you know, just ahead of the Christmas wedding and the Christmas baking contest and the Christmas parade that is responsible for the entire economy. The town, the small town. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. They'll find true love yeah. and realize they're better together. I think that Kat <laughs> I hope so. sees it this way in her head. Yes. But I don't know if she has, like, evolved past the first scene of the movie, Hallmark heroine. <laughs> who's just like, but these heels are designer as they, like, yeah. sink into the mud. Yeah. Her vibe is, like, talking to her, like, finance boyfriend on the phone from her, like, daddy's black car that has been sent to go, like take over the family business in the small town. Yeah. We'll Barking see. orders at her assistance. She but needs a, yeah, she needs a transformation. Although here's the thing, even when I don't like people and I don't like her, um, I still wish them love. So yeah, 
Because everybody deserves everyone, love. Everyone so. deserves love. Everyone I do, deserves. I do wish them love. I kind of wish them both a more lifestyle compatible partner, but <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Um, I wish them the best individually. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. A tight hour from good. ABC. This was a good one. Rory, Thanks, guys. Thank you <laughs> yeah. so much. Thank this was you. So fun. Can you tell all of the people listening where they can find you and your work? Oh, yeah. So I host a podcast called uh, Crimes of the Heart. It's like a love and dating podcast with uh, a true crime twist. The twist is that I take like the most insane dating stories and turn them into true crime reenactments that I discuss with. Uh, my guests. Um, you can find me at Crimes the Heart or on TikTok at Rory Uphold or at <laughs> Instagram at I Could Be Blonder because <laughs> I could be you could. blonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is Thanks, like an guys. amazing concept for a podcast. You, Everyone Rory. check it out. Thank you so much. This, this was so, so fun. fun. Please come back anytime. <laughs> And now it's time for Love to See It, Hate to See It. Let's start with Love to See It. First, we love to see only an hour of Bachelor in Paradise. I'm sorry, but an hour is an absolutely perfect episode length. I, I agree. This Maybe this is going too far, but I would even accept them extending the season to twice its length so that we could get just an hour a week. It's the perfect amount. I'm not exhausted at the end. It just is so much more high impact. And then we would get Bachelor in Paradise for more of the year, which I'm also fine with, honestly, because I love Bachelor in Paradise. But this felt really good. It's like the perfect amount. I also love to see Rachel finally taking control of her own destiny and getting the fuck out of paradise. We love to see it. (laughs) She should stay far away from this franchise. It has brought her nothing but pain and bad men. We also love to see, frankly, Blake and Jess having a genuinely mature breakup that also managed to be both gripping television and contain a lot of kindness in it. Well done, you two. You don't have to be toxic to make a fun breakup to watch 100% of the time. I thought this was a really lovely scene. But let's talk about hate to see it. (laughs) Three nice things and we're done. Let's talk about hate to see it. There were so many narrative gaps as we kind of touched on it throughout our conversation where we just really couldn't figure out what was happening a lot of the time. (laughs) And maybe this is the fault of the hour-long episode and so we love to see how short it is, but we actually don't want it to be edited in a way to make it short. But some choices were made that made it confusing, I think. I, th- I, I think they could have done better even in the hour length. I'm sorry. <laughs> Make Do different better. editing choices. Make different editing choices for us personally. <laughs> we also, frankly, hate to see just the absolute lack of respect so many of these men have for Rachel. Like, how dare you? How dare you, Jordan V. and Tanner? You don't have to, no one has to be interested in anyone, obviously, but do them the respect of actually communicating that. Yeah. And jumping off of that, the lack of respect that this show has for Rachel. Yeah. She has been kicked around. She's been pummeled. She has been offered a motley crew of inadequate men to date. She has been set up for humiliation. She has been 
heartbroken repeatedly for the consumption of the masses. She deserves better at this point. Like, give her a break. I I didn't sign up for this season to watch Rachel cry again. I actually didn't. I wanted her to have a chance to end the season genuinely okay. (laughs) And I think she got there on her own, but they did not make it easy through the choices they made and their producing. They they did everything in their power to uh, prevent her from ending the season on her own two feet. Yeah. On a related note, we just hate to see Tanner and Jordan V doing a fuckboy heel turn. Although I suppose we should not be surprised that any man who dates on television does something shitty. Like, at this point, it's an inevitability. You give men the power to be shitty and they're probably going to do it. And uh, that's not just the misandry speaking, it's scientific fact, their studies. We also hate to see Jess's complete desperation to be in love on a very specific timeline and in a very specific setting. I remember being 24, so I get it. I remember being 24 and sobbing to my friends that I was never going to be with someone. I was always going to be alone. And look, baby Jess, you're young. You're beautiful. You're nice. It's coming for you. We're not worried about you. It just might not be in paradise, and that's okay. And on that note, that's it for this episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Emma Gray, Claire Fallon, and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, and of course, spread the word to all of your friends about Love to See It. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you could find our newsletter rich text on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm also on social media at Emily Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back on Friday for the big Bachelor in Paradise finale. Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs>